1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Encouraging signs for Scotland against the Netherlands as Euro 2020 preparations get underway. Celtic are seeking UEFA exemption so they can appoint Ange Postacoglu as their new manager and Kilmarnock continue their championship rebuild by signing Scott Robinson and Blair Alston. I'm Andrew McLean. Joining me in the studio tonight is Mark Wilson. Only one place to start, Andrew, and it was the performance of Scotland last night in Portugal against the Netherlands. I think it's gave us enough to be optimistic about getting into the tournament, getting into Sunday's friendly also against Luxembourg. I thought there was many standout performances against a top side, but we won't get carried away because we know where that gets us. And on the domestic front, the Celtic soap opera continues. Ange Postacoglu doesn't hold the required UEFA Pro licence, but Celtic have applied for that UEFA exemption. We probably expect them to get it, but how long will that take? Pre-season training is only around the corner and it looks at this minute that the players might be arriving back without a manager in place. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get a lot of calls on that, so make sure to get in touch. 0141 951 1025 or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB. As Mark said, only one place to start. And it's nice waking up the, the day after a Scotland game. I'm, I'm sure over the years we've been used to sort of waking up after Scotland games, feeling like we've got a bit of a, a hangover. But I woke up with a, a spring in my step this morning after that. Yeah, I, I thought it was brilliant. I thoroughly enjoyed the game. And I was getting a wee bit fed up uh, hearing people and reading things saying it was only a friendly, it was only a friendly. How many friendlies have we played in the past and been thumped? And then we're very quick to criticise our boys for being thumped But this one I thought we were outstanding I thought individually um, we looked really good We looked powerful We had players who were brave enough to take the ball And go by players commit I thought the way Steve Clark set up his side was impressive The way we pressed as well from the front was encouraging And I think that's the way or the route we're going to go down In this tournament To press teams aggressively from the front and nick the boy ball high up the pitch And we saw what rewards you get from that When Jack Henry scored that fantastic goal Kevin Nisbet comes on Grabs a goal as well Some bright debuts from Turnbull and Gilmore And of course Nisbet So a lot to like about last night's performance Yeah I mean you say it's not just a friendly It's not just a friendly because it's less than two weeks before a major tournament And on top of that Some of the players missing out Shea Adams, John McGinn, David Marshall, Grant Hanley Stephen O'Donnell, Nathan Patterson All left behind as a precaution John Fleck of course tested positive for coronavirus So he was back in Spain as well Scott McTominay had only arrived late in the camp So he was only fit enough for a place on the bench And didn't get on So an encouraging performance And a lot more players as well that can come in and, and Probably make it even stronger Yeah well Out of those eight players You would probably look at Around about six of them To be starting I've, I've yet to say What's Scotland's Starting 11 For the first game Against the Czech Republic You'd probably say About six of those So these two friendlies Were put in place To see the full squad To see who was up to Speed of playing at this level Against decent opposition And I think The boys who came in did terrific I mean if you look at Throughout the team Craig Gordon Had one or two saves that's, That was impressive Shows that You know He will be challenging David Marshall You go through the back line You know To Cooper Henry who scores a goal Put a, a You know A good fight up for a place 
You know, James Forrest looked a bit rusty, but that's to be expected. The the level that he's got to in that short space of time is incredible. And you go through the midfield, Turnbull, of course, with McGinn and McTominay out, might not play, but he's done himself no harm. So a lot of good performances, and they've gave Steve Clark a lot to think about. Well, we want to hear your thoughts, so give us a call on 01419511025. Let's hear the thoughts of Steve Clark, first of all, of what he made of the performance last night. Obviously, we'd like to have won the game. Uh, we feel a little bit that the referee took it away from us. We were really soft free kick, but we, we, we can we can overlook that a little bit. The performance was good. We, we wanted a good performance, and I think we managed to do that against a, a good Dutch team. So it was a good night for us. Well, we've got a good squad. I've said that right from the minute I picked the squad. I was happy with it. Good balance, good options. Uh, we, we we do a lot of work on the training ground. It's very similar. So one right centre back will know what the the next one's going to do. Every, everyone knows their job and their role within the team. I think that showed tonight. I don't think there would have been five or six that would have started for the group that we were left behind, but there would have been two or three. But the boys who come in in their place, they know the role and they know the jobs. And, and that's what we have to do in this this period before we get to the, the actual tournament. I was so full of optimism there that I completely forgot to mention uh, that free kick decision right at the end of the game oh. I think we should just count that and say you know what if there's going to be any dodgy refereeing decisions against us this summer let's make sure they're before the tournament yeah get them out of the way just now but <laughs> the game was falling uh, you know the same pattern throughout the referee didn't have one of his better games I wish Gordon Dale was in the studio the night Andrew to try and defend that performance from him not even Gordon Dale could defend anywhere, that anywhere anybody went near Depay uh, the referee gave a foul And I actually felt sorry For Jack Henry And a couple of times Who who I don't think Did anything wrong A couple of times And got penalised from it So We were robbed By a poor decision You've got to say The, the free kick That he puts in the top corner Is not it? too bad But Get them all out the way Just now You're right Andrew 01419511025 Is the number you need It's the number Simon In Kilmarnock Has dialed Simon what did you make Of the game last night Hi guys, hope you're doing well. Um, I've got a couple of points on the game and then one on the Celtic situation, if you don't mind. Um, really, really enjoyed the game. Um, you know, I sat, I know I agree with Mark Wilson saying everybody's saying it's just a friendly, it's just a friendly. I think, is it eight friendlies in a row we'd lost before this? Uh, so a 2 2 draw with an Ellens is a really, really credible result at any time with a full strength squad, never mind, you know, the players that were out. I think the 3 5 2 is going really, really well. I understand there was questions obviously about it before and Steve Clark had never really went for that formation but he's clearly seen that that's the best way to get the best out of our players I think Tierney and Robertson were linking up was, Robertson was, was quiet again other than the cross but Tierney bombing on is just an extra option I think that's a really really positive thing um, I think that you know it was a typical Steve Clark performance uh, as a Kilmarmot fan I, I can say that it was a you know you sit back when you need to sit back you know, you know your shape. You know you're pretty much going to be be solid, and then you press high up the park and press on the front, as Mark was saying. You know, when the time is needed, when you know there's obviously a, a, a something in the the squad where they would have been pushed up. So it was a really, really positive performance. Cautiously optimistic, actually, ahead of the Euros. Now, I think that uh, you know Croatia, they've never beaten Scotland in a competitive game, so you've got to take that as a positive. I think the Czech Republic are beatable. England, you know, that game kind of takes care of itself, but. You know, if you look back at the last competitive game, the 2-2, I think Scotland have improved immensely since then. And England arguably are, are relatively weaker. So, you know, I'm really confident going in. I think the the first 11 for the Czech Republic's nailed on now. I think that back three will be the same, Hendry, Cooper and Tierney. I think O'Donnell will be at right back and Robertson at left. 
And I think I think he'll put McTominay in the midfield. So McTominay, McGregor, and McGinn is the midfield three. Uh, McTominay sitting deeper, allowing McGregor and McGinn to push on. And I think it'll be Dykes and Adams up front. And I think that is a good enough team to to take three points uh, in the opening game. Do you go along with that team, Mark? I don't think it's far off, Simon. I I think you're pretty spot on there. The only argument I would have was maybe if Hanley would come into that back three instead of Cooper. I yeah, because he he was the sort of starter in the last camp, yeah. wasn't he, at the central centre back option I, for I, Steve Clark? Yeah, I think Hanley's got pace. He's aggressive in the air. He brings a threat from set pieces. Um, I think when you're playing a back three like that and you're pressing so high up the pitch like we were last night and the way Steve Clark's played, you need pace in your back three. And if you've got Henry one side and you've got Tierney the other. I think you cover a lot of ground there So I think that'll be the crux The goalkeeper's an interesting one as well Mm -hmm. David Marshall You know we all thought he'd be nailed on To be Scotland's number one But of course didn't play um, At the end of the season for Derby Craig Gordon's came in Uh, You know he's made a few good stops last night That'll be one for Steve Clark to think about But the rest that Simon says there I would probably agree with that I mean because Simon obviously knows Steve Clark's style of play From being a Kilmarnock fan And he says you know The teams sit in when they need to there seems to be a bit of a maybe a misconception at times that Steve Clark is an overly defensive manager. But if you look at it last night, you're playing against a team who are naturally going to have more of the ball. But you've got your two outside centre backs in, in Jack Hendry and Kieran Tierney, both of them bombing on, both of them, you know, taking the ball forward, not scared to go ahead. Jack Hendry found himself, you know, what was it, about thirty yards from yeah. goal, winning the ball before going onto the edge of the box yeah. and scoring. Well, they know when to press. Um, you know, they know when the triggers are to go. So you know, you you've seen them pushing up when, when the Dutch had the goal kick you seen the full team pushing up but you saw that the, the team knows when to drop off like Simon was saying there when their more creative players get the, the ball in the middle of the pitch you know you're not pressing them high up the pitch end to leave spaces in behind so very you know much like a Steve Clark you know Kilmarnock performance obviously in a higher stage with better players and uh, no disrespect to the Kelly boys but if you've got those principles and you can put them to better players Obviously a better chance of success So I, I liked what I saw last night I liked the way we were aggressive Even when we won possession You know Armstrong was driving by people Tierney You know not scared to take You know top class players on And that's what we're going to need We're going to need that kind of attitude You know Not to be scared or fearful To actually go at teams And that's what they did last night Do you want to come back in Simon? Yeah, I just agree with everything. I think Ryan Christie was quite poor again uh, last night. I think that's kind of going on from his Celtic performances. But, you know, as a Kilmarnock fan, it's it's really nice that despite being relegated for the first time in my lifetime, Kilmarnock aren't the biggest laughing stock in Scottish football at the moment. Uh, that's obviously, you know, said for the team in the East End of Glasgow. Um, I think that, you know, the whole situation with the, the coaching badges is a bit of a red herring. I think it's just, you know, legal paperwork because you're in the UEFA. But, you know, it's saying as if people are acting as if, you know, like just because you learned how to be a football coach in another country or outside of Europe that it's not it's not valid. I think Bielsa when he came to Leeds here to get the same. Uh, so it's it's not really a, a massive thing. But I think the Postacoglu uh, a lot of the rhetoric from people has been a bit disgraceful. It's this kind of little Scotland mentality that you have to be Scottish or you have to know the Scottish game or you have to, you know, be a name that we've all heard of to be a good manager. Now I don't know if Postacoglu will come in and be a good manager. You know, nobody does. There obviously have been little-known player managers in the past who've came in and done well. There's been big-name guys who've came in and done poorly. But I think you know you've got to give him the opportunity. If Celtic have, have said he's the man forward. You know, he's a part of the City group. That's not something you're not a bad coach if you're you know tasked with being a part of that. Um, I don't know. I think maybe if you say the whole Scottish football thing, maybe it would be applicable 
in sort of late 90s, early 2000s, up to that point. But nowadays, with the technology available and you know the fact that you can watch any game, you could probably watch all the reserve games will be recorded and online available for, for managers to watch. He'll know everything about Celtic. He'll know everything about the Celtic players. He'll have people who inform him about other things about the teams. But, you know, judging by everything that people have said about him, he seems to be a guy who does everything properly. So you can imagine he'll be, know everything about every other team. Unfortunately, it won't be Kilmarnock like you'll need to look about, but he'll know a lot about every other team. And I think to say that he doesn't know anything about Scottish football is just this, this really silly mentality to have in this day and age. And, you know, if he is the man that appointed for Celtic, you've got to give him an opportunity and you've got to, you know, maybe try something a little bit different for once. The evolution of the calls this week have been interesting, Mark, because Monday was the first time he really got to talk about Ange Postacoglu and we had Celtic fan after Celtic fan come on and say, nope, this isn't the guy, you know, he's not managed at a good enough level, I've never heard of him. And then slowly as the week's gone on, we've had more calls sort of Tuesday, Wednesday from Celtic fans saying, you know what, I've actually looked more into it now and I'm not as worried as I previously was you know sort of more impressed by the pedigree not everyone is in that same camp not everyone um, has been impressed by by the links with him but you know Simon's saying that, that some people are sort of maybe being ignorant towards his appointment other people's other people aren't what what have you made of the, the whole sort of saga really? Um, well early on Saturday um, when I when I read that Postacoglu was going to be approached or talks had advanced, I was surprised. I, I was like every other, you know, person in Scottish football looking at it. Um, I'd be lying to say I, I woke up and I knew a whole lot about him. I, I, I certainly didn't, and I I'd be very surprised if there was a lot of people in this country could say, "Yep, this is what this guy has done in the past." So I think there was a lot of people having to do some research on him. Now looking into his background You know I'm kind of sitting on the fence with this one Because I, I'm all for giving coaches the chance Because Postacoglu could come And could be a revelation It could be a breath of fresh air You know take to your game Bring in some signings that You know aren't household names But be an unbelievable coach on the training ground So it, that that could be true And I've heard the Australian boys Who have worked with him uh, at, at the national team You know praise him highly But then again of course they they would you know he took them to the World Cup. Um, the I mean the level does that really matter? How the level he's managed it? I believe it does. When you're coming to a club like Celtic and the stature of Celtic, and I've read all the things about oh well Scottish football how hard can it be? It's incredibly difficult to manage a club the size of Celtic and then compete in the European stage against elite teams. And that's just in the qualifying rounds of the Champions League. So Postacoglu's record, although he won the Asian Cup with the national team, you know, you look at the teams they beat in that Asian Cup. You know, they're, they're not fully your household names. You know, your UAE and although South Korea was a pick of the bunch, you know, they were probably the best team. So I'm, I can see both sides of the argument. People would have hoped for a bigger name. Who knows? He could come and he could be a revelation. Time will tell. Well, thank you to Simon, and let's we'll, we'll get our teeth into uh, the sort of ins and outs of the the latest Ange Postecoglou development shortly. Let's hear from Steve Clark again, shall we? Just after the game last night. I think what's happened in the last couple of days, you you, you learn to go one day at a time. It's one day at a time is a good performance from all of, all of the players tonight. It gives me more problems or more decisions to make as the head coach, and that's what we want. Uh, I, I want to have difficult decisions. I want to have sleepless nights. And ultimately, I want to make sure that I select the right team for the, the starting game in the tournament. 
I knew we were going. I knew we were in good shape. I know we trained well in the camp. Uh, I know the mood is is good within the squad. Obviously, we expected a really tough game. That's what we got. And did the performance surprise me? No, not really. I've been I've been telling you guys in the media for quite a while now that I feel we're improving as a team. I feel we're getting better. And the more we play against the top nations and show that we can be competitive, then then hopefully the more we'll grow as a team. How encouraging will that be for? The rest of the squad that Steve Clark is saying Look, I've got a selection headache now There's one more game to go Ahead of the Euros against Luxembourg He's obviously going to have to chop and change things There's going to be guys coming in There's going to be guys getting more game time that, that didn't play at all last night That must be encouraging for guys that, that maybe thought You know what, I, I probably don't yeah. have a chance Of starting against Czech Republic They're thinking, actually, you know what Hold on a minute, I could I could play myself into a starting Of course, here. I mean, you're hearing that If you're a player, you know, you're thinking I really have got a fair crack of the whip here If I go and perform in these two games And I've been performing decent For my club up into this um, Up into these games And I've got a chance of starting He isn't just going to stick with his Tried and trusted who, who beat Serbia So if you're a Turnbull or, or someone like that, even a Craig Gordon coming back in, then you're thinking, yeah, James Forrest, who hasn't had a lot of game time, but he might just, you know, find find a way in. You never know. So it's always good uh, from a player's perspective. If you hear a manager saying, I'm pretty open-minded and I'll pick my team on what I see in front of me in these couple of games. Well, give us a call on 01419511025. You could be on after the break. We'll be taking a closer look at Celtic, who are seeking an exemption so they can appoint Ange Postacoglu as manager. You are the voice of Scottish football. Call 01419511025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Mark Wilson here with me, Andrew McLean, in the second part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. And the last caller, Simon, actually teed us up nicely for what we're going to talk about next because it was the story emerging today that Celtic have applied to UEFA for an exemption to allow Ange Postacoglu to take over the club. Now, it's all to do with him not having the sort of relevant coaching badges. So he holds an Australian pro licensing coach, which is... Uh, sorry, coaching license, which is the highest level of documentation um, in that part of the world, but that's not recognised by uh, UEFA as an equivalent to their pro coaching license, which is need uh, you know, needed to be held by uh, sort of all head coaches of major uh, top tier professional football clubs. So what they can do is they can acquire a short term exemption known as a certificate of competency, and that will allow them to coach Celtic while completing his UEFA pro license. So, I mean, that's not really the sort of overly interesting part because. All sort of fingers sort of point towards the fact that it looks as if that will go ahead. But the interesting part is that UEFA said today, you know, there's a chance this could take up to several weeks to sort out. Yeah, uh, that is the interesting part. I, I mean, listen, the full thing is interesting. I mean, Postecoglou, you know, he's, he's huge experience in the game, and <laughs> it's just a bit of football politics, uh, I guess, between UEFA and FIFA in terms of getting your badges. I, I do know that UEFA Pro Licence does take a bit of time to complete anyway. I think it's the best part of 18 months or something yeah. like that when you're on it. So it takes a bit of time. Um, I believe if you've got someone on your staff that holds uh, the, the relevant badges, then you will be fine to carry on, which, of course, Celtic have. John Kennedy mm-hmm. did it a long time ago. Steve McManus. The time scale, though, uh, a passing a few weeks before anything could be done is the interesting one. And that's where it falls firmly at, at the, the the Celtic board on this one because they allowed themselves to be strung along by Eddie Howe for 90-odd days on this situation, for that to collapse, and then this situation to present, themse- 
post the goal goal to present himself and then think it's maybe done but then there's another stumbling block that could seriously impact the start of the season and the, the Celtic board have known about this for a long time how important this summer is to get a pre-season right to get the players programmed right first and foremost before they even go away and I, I mentioned it several times on the show that the players going away often get a programme set out for them for what to expect in pre-season these players couldn't have received it because they don't know what coach or manager is going to be there in the first day of pre-season and uh, 17th of June so this just drags on again if I'm a Celtic player just now if I'm away with Scotland or I'm on my holidays just now or away with another international team I'm looking at this situation thinking what on earth is going on here who am I going back to in pre-season after the Euros or who am I reporting back to at the first day of pre-season will it be who I left and John Kennedy and Stephen McManus and uh, you know Gavin Strachan will they be taking first day of pre-season or will it be somebody else or will the date get pushed back it's very it's very murky words to go into because it's so important to get off to a good start and this is just delaying it did you ever have that situation as a player when you know you were sort of in limbo you didn't know who the manager was going to be you were kind of waiting whether it was you know between one season and another and uh, between one season and other I mean the time at Celtic I had the, the biggest changeover was when Gordon Strachan left mm-hmm. but Tony Mowbray was appointed pretty soon after now we had to wait until we went in for the first day of pre-season to meet the manager and that's fine you meet him on day one you have the meeting he tells his philosophy he introduces the staff and it's a big change it does take a bit of getting used to remember when you're walking out in the training pitch after being with I was with Gordon Stratton for three years Tony Mowbray comes in different ideas it's a different pre-season different expectations on your fitness on the way you you know you play um, so it, it takes a couple of weeks to get used to that do you have your fingers crossed as well just hoping he's not going to bomb you out as well well, I, <laughs> yeah, well, I think I was uh, I was nursing an injury, so I I made good use of that myself. I think I bombed myself out, so I, I had to work my way back in. But players, I, I, I'm being honest here, Andrew. Players were uncertain at a change of manager. Players who had been there and successful at that time was a bit uneasy because they don't know how the manager is going to react. Now, you think of that just now the players arriving back. There is no manager. So they, they don't really know where they stand. Then you add in the whole you know, contract situation of the players. Ryan Christie, for example, up in January. What's he thinking just now? Odson Edward, what's he thinking? Have you had a top manager in place? Maybe, just maybe, you could actually persuade him. Tell him your vision that he buys into. Other players are the same. Ayer, however... You know, these players are in limbo just now and they report back in two weeks' time. 01419511025 if you want to get involved. Jerry is next up in co winning. Jerry, what have you made of these latest developments? Hi, Andrew. Yeah, I'll give, give credit to Mark there because he's kind of covered a lot of my points. And, and being an ex Celtic player, I know that can sometimes be difficult um, to kind of criticise the board. But when we talk about the board, I'm not going to criticise Dominic Mackay because we don't even know if he's officially started yet. But it's only Peter Lowell and Dermot Desmond. And to me, they are—they're basically now the captain of the Titanic in the sense that no one's going to remember what they did before the disaster, before the iceberg hit. The only thing they're going to remember is the utter disaster that they've uh, overseen over the last twelve months. Failure to win ten in a row, failure to sack Neil Lennon, and now a failure to get a new manager. The Eddie Howe situation, as Mark said, should not have rumbled on for four months. Dermot Desmond, I cannot believe in any other of his businesses. This is a billionaire supposed to be super intelligent would have allowed that to go on 
Peter Lawler's paid upwards of what two million pounds a, a year to preside over not having a manager for a hundred days, and to go to someone in Australia, and I, I like a lot of Celtic fans. I admit I don't know anything about Postecoglou until I've, things I've read and seen in the last few days. But regardless of that, he's coming over from Australia, which takes about two days anyway on a plane. Then he's got a quarantine for almost two weeks, and he's literally, literally not qualified for the job because he doesn't have the qualifications. This is a Titanic-sized disaster, and I do not understand how supposed intelligent people, millionaires and billionaires, can make such an epic screw-up of things. I mean, I think there's a lot of frustration from Celtic fans, Jerry, getting that point across there. From the outside looking in, certainly a lot of Celtic fans are saying, where's the direction here? Mm. They're not getting any communication, really, from the club. We heard from the club on Friday, and they said they were going to appoint a manager very shortly. It's almost a full week later, and there's really not been that many developments. No. Um, first of all, I would disagree with, with Jerry. firstly, that, that Peter Lowell and Dermot Desmond will be... You know, not remembered for what they did and, and only remembered for the disaster I, I think they should be remembered for what they did Because it was an incredible era for Celtic And what they achieved as a whole Not just Brendan Rodgers and the players But the full club was uh, nothing but remarkable So I think they should be remembered for that But there's no doubt that they've made a mess of this And uh, with Dermot Desmond I, I just wonder You know, his level of interest At this minute in time I only say that because Dermot Desmond I mean I had minimal dealings with, with him when I was at Celtic You've seen him you know, here and there um, Commanded huge respect But if you look at him in terms of appointments Throughout the years and the eras When it came to big appointments And they needed to be need, uh, done Dermot Desmond uh, ticked the box for them He made the big ones Martin O'Neill Brendan Rodgers in particular Even Gordon Strachan when he came in People you know, didn't really know But Gordon Strachan was a successful manager Who brought success to Celtic So the big names Dermot Desmond got involved in And got them over the line This just strikes me as I know Eddie Howe has reportedly met him In his house But this Postacoglu thing It just doesn't fit That you know the major shareholder who's Got a huge understanding of the club And the success that these big names Have brought and done his homework Would then go another way So that's a worry for it's me Peter Lowell production isn't it? I mean, It's a Peter Lowell production Let's be honest Mark I mean why is he making this decision I'll, I'll, make, I'll say something right now right? And I don't think this has been talked about I don't think Peter Lowell's going You know I remember This makes me strange Vladimir Putin a few years ago Resigned as Russian president And he became prime minister I mean, I think I mean, we probably need to be careful Comparing no, Celtic's situation To the sort of Russian politics But I mean Jerry's talking about You know Dominic Mackay coming in There's obviously been a sort of Transition period between The two of them But yeah. you know how, how much change Is there going to be Do you think with Dominic Mackay coming in he's, he's only really been in the job Officially since Tuesday Yeah well there's got to be Big change of course uh, Listen Peter Lowell Was a great servant to the club And brought great success And you know, the way he managed it was shrewd at times, not everyone's cup of tea, but he brought success. This year, it certainly hasn't been. And the transition, when everyone knew Don Mackay was coming in and, you know, starting early to get a grip of things, people thought that that was going to be the point where they got their heads together and got this situation straightened out. If anything, it's turned out worse because the Celtic fans are thinking, well, if Peter Lowell just finished up there on the 31st of May... And Don McKay starting the first of who's, who's to blame for this full situation? Because it's it's one that I don't think anybody would want to put their hands up and say, listen, that was my fault. I, I, I've been misled there and I got that totally wrong. 
So it, it leaves a grey area And it just kind of sums up Celtic season Don Mackay is now the man in charge Whether, uh, you know, Jerry thinks Peter Lowe was going to stay on I, I don't think that will be the case But Don Mackay has a big job in his hands To get this right Well, the manager but remember all the other positions that go about the manager still has to be filled as well. Well, thank you to Jerry. Next up is John in Paisley. John, what are you making of it all? Before I go forward, Jerry, just to remember, 55, no one title, son. You know what I mean? Just to remind him of that, because I couldn't be bothered listening to that. John's a Rangers fan, just in case anyone's wondering out there. Aye, aye, I don't normally talk about Celtic, but this this would get the, the whole marks of Pedro Coutinho. This, this is absolutely go you know what I mean? Because we got a disaster. We're getting Pedro. And this is going to hallmarks a disaster. Do you know what I mean? And if it is, I can't wait to sit and laugh for the next three years because it took us three and a half years to get, you know what I mean, back to where we are. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's the thing, Mark. People, I think, will naturally sort of compare the two just because it's a, an unknown manager coming from a league we don't know too much about. And, you know, yes, they, they had a career before they came to Scotland, but not something that, that we really knew much about. But I think the, the, the thing that they've certainly got in common is that, you know, no matter whether they've, whether they've had a good history or not in these other countries, that it's going to be a risk, whatever happens, yeah. because... You know, you don't know whether you know their styles are going to transfer over into Scotland. You don't know how they're going to cope with the Glasgow bubble. You don't know how they're going to cope with the pressure. Yeah, well, you heighten the risk when you go for a, a relatively unknown. You do heighten the risk at backfiring in your face. It happened with Rangers with Pedro Cusina. I was on the show when he was appointed. We all stood here and we all said the same. We never heard them, but give the guy a chance. He, he might be great, and you know he. He's done this in this country And he's done that in that country And he could fit into the Scottish game Well, it backfired spectacularly And that's the thing If you go for a, a, an unknown Listen, it could happen if you go for a big name as well But you, you you don't guarantee yourself success with a big name Like a Brendan Rodgers But you you narrow the, the scope for failure um, When you pay the big bucks And the Hollywood signing As Hugh, Hugh Evans always says you narrow that down. Um, so I think the Postacoglu one, as a gamble, it may work out. As I said earlier, he may come and be, you know, something we'd never seen before and transform Celtic. But it may, it just may fall into the Pedro Cusina category. Only time will tell in it, Andrew. Well, thank you to John. Let's go straight to Chris on the line. Chris, what are you making of the situation at Celtic at the moment? Well, guys, I've got a couple of points. Uh, I've I'll go to the Celtic one first. This post Coglu guy, it's just not going to stick uh, with the Celtic fans for me. Um, I think Celtic need to look at somebody that knows Scottish football and he's achieved something in the game. I think he should maybe consider going to Preston and maybe try to attract Alec Neal. Uh, he took Norwich up to the Premier. He's not at Preston anymore, is he? Sort of, uh, I think he's a free agent just moment, now, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Is he a job? Yeah, uh-huh. So that, that's the route you would want to go down, Chris? I think, aye. He knows the Scottish game. He knows what Celtic are all about. And now he's, I didn't know he was at a job. So, aye, I would, I would maybe consider this Postic Oglu guy. It's just no going to stick. Uh, and I think, honestly, I think Alec Neal would maybe be not a bad uh, appointment. Mark, we've had a lot of you know suggestions on the phones over the last few days. You know, people have brought up the likes of 
Um, Callum Davidson People have said You know we've even had people saying Billy Davis Sam Allardyce Names like these Have been plucked out But I think You know that the signs are that Ange Postacoglu Is the man Celtic want He's the man Celtic are going for They are in the process of Of trying to make it happen So I think no matter who You know people are suggesting That you know It's going to be in vain Because Well as long as they manage To get through the complications Yeah Obviously people are mentioning these names is because we know them. They've been in these shores and there's a familiarity about them where Apostacoglu is a bit of an outsider. Nobody knows much about them. But you're right, Andrew, that looks like this one will be tied down. I don't think there's rumours about this. Remember with Eddie Howe situation, things were quiet. Celtic kept very quiet about that until the last uh, the last minute. With the Postacoglu one, the stories have been out that Celtic have obviously went to UEFA for this exemption. So it looks pretty certain. And I, I wouldn't think there'd be many stumbling blocks with that. So I think he will be in charge. But the the, the real interesting thing is who surrounds him? Who did he get in as director of football? What say does Postacoglu have and his staff that's coming in? Will he bring his staff that's in Japan with him just now? These are all questions that I'm sure the Celtic fans want answers to. Chris, did you have a quick Scotland point? Yeah, um, I, I really like the, the look of Scotland just now, and I think getting into a tournament, I think it's really important that uh, the guys that are maybe not going to be involved as much, I think um, it looks as if there's a real togetherness with the squad, and I think they'll back the boys that are probably going to play a lot more, and I think it's, I'm really confident getting into this, I think. We'll, really, we'll definitely qualify for the group I think it looks really really good and as I say they look as if they're all backing each other and it's really important getting into tournament football that's that's what I like to see how they are backing each other see even if you follow some of their social media and you see how they relate to each other as teammates I don't think Scotland had that five, you know, ten years ago. I think was that were... just from personal experience? You turn up to uh, Scotland well, camps and people going, "Oh, this guy again." I know. I was sitting at dinner myself, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> but there, listen, there were certain cliques, and I think that's that's only natural with national teams. But I really have the belief that this Scotland team, like Chris said, are together. They've went through a lot together. They're young players. A lot of them have kind of grew up playing against each other. So. I think that bodes well for us in a tournament situation. Well, thank you to Chris. 01419511025. Give us a call and you could be up next. 01419511025. This is Scottish football's league leader, Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Mark Wilson here with me, Andrew McLean, in the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. And there's some breaking news coming out of the England camp. But it, first of all, it's just nice to be able to say that there's some breaking news to do with Euro 2020 that concerns us because we're a part of it but mm. Trent Alexander-Arnold has been ruled out of Euro 2020 so it means that he won't be able to play against Scotland at Wembley on the 18th of June of course it's never nice to see a, a player missing out on a major tournament and also on top of that they also did call up four right backs so <laughs> they've got Rhys James, Kieran Trippier and Kyle Walker to pick yeah. from Yeah, both for the boys never nice to see that but um, like you say <laughs> they've got three others that are are pretty decent But yeah, I think he was a top one So uh, Might do us a wee favour They'll be jealous of our left backs though, so Of it's course Yeah 01419511025 On the phones Nadim is a Rangers fan Up next Nadim What's your point tonight? How you doing? Um, the point is, the point is for Mark I suppose um, I, I was saying to the producer there when I, when I called up That 
watching the game last night. First of all, I thought I thought we played brilliant. I thought we I thought we matched the Dutch team, and that's a maybe not a top top Dutch team, but it's certainly a very good Dutch team. And I thought we played brilliant against them. I was really really impressed. We're a lot more attacking than we have been in previous games, and it was great to see. But the, the, the point I wanted to make to Mark was the guy Kieran Tierney. You know, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. I thought for me he was I, he was man of the match for Scotland. For me, I thought the way he, you know the way he bombed forward, he's controlling the ball, he's passing, he's turn of pace is phenomenal for a player. He, he doesn't look fast, but he is quick. You know, and that was the Mark playing in a similar position. Um, I just wanted to see what his thoughts were. I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know if Scotland have ever had a world class player. Never, never imagined that he's I'm forty years old. So never imagined that he's if Scotland had a world class player. But I truly believe. I, I think he is world class. Yeah, listen, I have to agree with you. Um, I, I did play in a similar position, but not in a similar <laughs> way, unfortunately. But uh, you're right. It was I, a different I, sport you guys were playing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew, <laughs> calm down. But uh, no, listen, I think that he's absolutely incredible. I think he, he's improving almost every year. And you've got to remember the injuries that Kieran Tierney's had over his career and he, he almost you know didn't make this tournament but the work rate he puts in he's, he's turned a pace there like Nadim's saying oh, he didn't always have that you know he worked in the power on his legs to get that real explosive power and you could see it last night and I just love how he's he's turned this left centre back in a three into an overlapping left centre back I don't think there's many teams in the world that have a, a left sided centre back in a three who gets to the byline and puts so many crosses in it's incredible the way that him and Robertson balance it and I do think you have to give credit to Andy Robertson as well because a lot of the people say well Tierney's always the one that puts crosses and Tierney's always the one that's getting to the byline he can only do that if Robertson just shuttles in and fills in for him so I think the two of them work it incredibly well but Tierney I think he's right up there um, top class player I would always almost say world class just the performances he's putting in uh, on a national level But even down south for Arsenal Some of the performances He's been their top player for a number of months now I mean we've been crying out for years For a system that could fit Tierney and Robertson in People talking about how we've got you know, Two brilliant left backs And will one of them have to move to right back Will one of them have to play ahead of the other But it looks as if you know Steve Clark kind of has it sorted now Yeah and it's just the understanding With top class players How to play the position I mean Kieran Tierney could easily have went into left side centre back and took a bit of the hump because I know for a full back the best part of the game is going forward and putting in crosses um, so he could have just played it nice and simple get the ball put it out to Robertson and back it up no it, it takes responsibility uh, and so does Andy Robertson take responsibility what they have to do to get the best out of the team and I don't think as I say many teams play that way and I think teams we come up against will struggle to handle that because who picks that up You know If, if you're left centre back Your striker's not going to Fall him back So It's advantageous yeah. to us That's uh, that's what I was going to make As well there Mark That You know If, if, if you've got three If you're playing with three centre halves Generally You know There's not many That can go forward The way he and Tierney does So You know If he does that during the Euros who, who picks him up? You know, a strike, like I said, a striker's not going to want to come back to the halfway line or back in his own half to, to track Kieran Tierney back. So then there's a, a midfielder that, that, that tracks back and then the space in the middle of the park. I think, down the left-hand side, I think we're, we're, we're up there with, you know, with the rest of the squads in, in, in the Euro competition with, with Robertson, like you said, you know, overlapping with, 
with Kieran Tierney. I think it's fantastic. Just uh, hopefully if Patterson gets to play in the, on the right-hand side as well, then you know we can, we can maybe have a, a good combination in the right-hand side as well. I just think it's really, really, really positive for the for the future. And I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely positive. I think we'll, we'll hopefully finish second in the group behind England, I think. Um, and if not, then maybe even a, a best third-place finish can get us into, into the next stage. So definitely, I'm buzzing, absolutely buzzing for it. That sort of right side as well is interesting that Nadim talks about because obviously James Forrest had to fill in there. He obviously can play there. He's played there under Brendan Rodgers. Ryan Fraser can play in there as well. But with Stephen O'Donnell and Nathan Patterson out, you'd think that one of the two is definitely going to start the game on Sunday. If it's going to be Stephen O'Donnell, then it's maybe not as much of a surprise because you know Steve Clark's very loyal to, to a lot of his players and Stephen O'Donnell has been growing into that role. Maybe Nathan Patterson's really impressed him in training and, and you never know, he might get thrown in. Yeah, it was a shame that Nathan Patterson had to miss out last night uh, through no fault of his own because I, I do think with Stephen O'Donnell being out, you know, he would have played. Um, I think Stephen O'Donnell will start on Sunday, but I do think Nathan Patterson will come on for a part of the game to see how he performs with the rest of the team in a, you know, a, a full international game. Well, thank you to Nadim. We'll fit in one last quick call. Ken is in Canvas Lang. Ken, what are your thoughts tonight? <laughs> right, well, um, yesterday's game, the, the first 70 minutes, loved it for the most part. Uh, the last 20 minutes, I thought, oh, God, we're going to lose this. When they take part, uh, Robertson and Tierney off, and they, that, that left defence was, was, was just missing. I mean, uh, Greg Taylor, I mean, he's, he's more Mark Wilson than he is Kieran Tierney. No disrespect, Mark. That sounded like disrespect, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard disrespect before, that sounded like it. <laughs> I don't think that's softened the blow at all. With the long balls that they're putting forward to Lyndon Dyke and watching him trying to chase it to ball down with the defenders, I'm sure Gordon Dale could have got there faster than Lyndon Dyke, so I wasn't I don't mind that. either. Uh-uh. I mean, we, we had so much optimism, optimism <laughs> at the start of the show tonight, Mark. And Ken, Ken, you've Ken just, just ruined the down. full show. We were, we were buzzing not, until you've come on and, and just <laughs> ruined it. I mean, I love the game, you know, but that should have been that should have been a win. I don't know why you took Robertson and Tierney off because I don't think we're. Oh good. come on! Listen, there's a bigger picture, Ken. I mean, last night was an exercise to to see how certain players in the system fitted in against a top team. You know, the Dutch top players, and it did. It worked. Steve Clark is has got a game on Sunday. These players will take part in that as well. But the big picture. Is the game against uh, the Czech Republic in the 14th of June That is the big picture These players have got to be in peak condition So playing them for 90 minutes And then 90 minutes again on Sunday Makes no sense That's the thing As much as we would have loved to have won the game last night It's all about you know gearing the performances towards that game against the Czech Republic It's about giving guys game time It's about making sure there's the right rotation going into the tournament yeah, oh, without a doubt. I mean, I mean, it's giving people game time. So you never know when you're going to need McKenna. You, you don't know if you'll need Greg Taylor. So that's why these players were fitted in for some game time. Billy Gilmore also. So I think the players will be better for it. You may see more of them on Sunday. But um, it's all geared towards that game on the 14th of June. Anyone in particular you think will definitely start on Sunday? Um, well, one of the right backs I, I think will play. Uh, I'd like to see Billy Gilmore. Get more game time Scott McTominay came Scott McTominay the squad, yeah. will, will play So it'll be interesting Team selection But I think Simon the first caller Was very close With what Steve Clark Starting team on that 14th of June will be 
Well the excitement is building Isn't it not too far away Monday the 14th of June Scotland against the Czech Republic At Hamden But before that Luxembourg against Scotland That one is on Sunday The final preparation game For Euro 2020 And make sure to join us again tomorrow I'll be here with Jim Duffy But thank you to Ken And thank you to all the callers tonight And thank you to Mark Wilson as well Make sure to stick around Because Callum Gallagher is up next <laughs> 